0: I found out something really disturbing. Podcasts are going to start getting ESG scores now to determine their contents. Brand safety! That is not good news for me. If you don't know, that is a woke metric system by the United Nations and the far left that stands for environmental, social and governance. It's something that's already been implemented by your favorite brands and corporations. And one of the only safe brands left that I found is Nimi Skin Care. It matters to me a lot to make choices and support companies that fight back against woke infrastructure that is taking over every industry, including beauty. Mimi Skincare is loud and proud, conservative owned, and made for conservative women who value freedom, family, femininity, and faith. I was very unsure when I first tried it two years ago, and now I cannot live without multiple products from them, like their vitamin C cleanser and hydrating retinol infused moisturizer. The worst thing that could happen is you try it, you don't like it, but you give your money to a company that shares your values. Now, the best thing that could happen is that you get skincare you love and also give your money to a company that shares your values. Go to NimiSkincare.com with code Alex Clark for 10% off. That's NimiSkincare, N-I-M-I-Skincare.com with code Alex Clark for 10% off or find the link in the show notes. Okay, today's guest is a total powerhouse. Truly cannot wait for you to hear how she's impacting the lives of Gen Zers. But her message isn't just for Gen Z and parents, it's for everyone. Her message really is a breath of fresh air. And do you know where else you'll be able to hear from top of the line conservative speakers? YWLS. I am talking about strong women who are leading the way in the conservative movement. Women like Candace Owens, Laura Trump, Ali Beth Stuckey, and Erica Kirk. From June 9th through 11th, in Dallas, Texas, you can attend the largest event for conservative women. It's the Young Women's Leadership Summit. Go to tpusa.com slash ywls with code politics today to get your tickets. If you are a parent to a teen or early 20 something, pause this interview, listen to it in the car with them. Okay, are you back? Okay, let's go. I am dubbing this month, by the way, May is for the moms. Now, that's just like a little fun alliteration way, I guess, to say that every episode this month is just really for women, parenting, feminism, etiquette, friendships, and more. And this week, I'm talking to a Gen Z transformational life coach who specializes in Zoomers and how they think, what motivates them, and who gets them on track to crush it in the workforce, their future families, and beyond. Teens love Her because she helps them get out of their own way, learn how to set healthy boundaries, self advocate, cultivate discipline, navigate relationships and transitions, choose a career, prioritize nutrition and wellness, and way more. Parents love her because she comes in and coaches families one on one, literally in person, to their home and knows how to get through to their teen without leaving the parents out of the equation. Welcome Gen Z life coach Tracy Martin to the spillover. Tracy, you're a life coach who specializes in Gen Z specifically. What is it about Gen Z that made you want to work with them?
1: I have two. <laughs> is because you're a mom? I have two kids um, that are Gen Zs. Um, you know, I've been doing this so long that I just realized that if we don't start impacting our kids sooner and a younger generation, we're course correcting every generation. Right. So for me, it's always let me look and see what our kids are doing, what our kids are happy, what's happening to them, especially having raising two daughters. So it was just a thing to where even though I've coached from 10 year olds to 70 year olds, I mean, I love individuals, families, you name it. My heart is just for Gen Z because, number one, they're getting beat up. You know, number two, they're the most connected but isolated. Mm. Um, they're the most they have so many resources, but yet are so complacent. You know and, and there's too many things I think that that we allow so for me Gen Z is really built for the storm. I really think they are and I I know we hear all kinds of all over the map, right there's so many different versions of Gen Z yeah I, what is the correct version so so any any kid that was born between 1997 and 2015 that's that's whenever you're that's considered that age you know um, and then the next one coming up is Gen Z alpha. Who knows what they're going to be like? Um, But for me, Gen Z is just I like to identify and amplify the kids that are changing where the world's going. That's really an important thing for me is to amplify their voices and to know that if they're not going where they need to go, doesn't that fall back on us? Aren't we leaders? Mm. Aren't we parents? Aren't we their voices that are supposed to be guiding them? And if I I love it whenever I meet a kid and people complain about everything and then I go, "Eh, meet the parents, you'll forgive the kid. You know, I mean, it's Isn't just the truth. the truth. It's it is. Or it's like all these employers are trying to, you know, employ Gen Z, but they don't know how to speak to them. And then they want to know, well, they don't have this skill, this skill, that skill. Well, who was supposed to put that in place? Yeah. You know, it's it's the it's the educational systems, which we know are, are not working. So there's all these things. So for me, Gen Z, the ones that I focus on, kids that find me, families that find me, are really seeking and searching for something more. And knowing that something in their soul, something's wrong. You know, and they just aren't sure exactly what it is. So when they find me, we connect on that level. And there's always a point of entry. Trust me. <laughs> and this is why point of entry. Th-
0: this conversation, you're going to love it, whether you're Gen Z or if you're a parent of a Gen Z or, or you you have a family member who's in Gen Z, how to speak to them, how they like to be spoken to. And if you are a Gen Z member, kind of the best way to find your place in this world, who is your typical client? Like, are they guys? Are they girls?
1: Christian, non-Christian? All the above? Everything. (laughs) All the above. Um, Now, I will say this. Like I said, there's a point of entry. So people always say, what comes first? The parent finds you or the kid finds you? It's a duality. If if the kids hear me speak, they'll come up and say, wow, I really want to do some sessions with you or when's your next mastermind? Or if the parents hear me, they think, wow, I really want my kid to come in there. Those are my favorite scenarios because that means that they're not just identifying something's broken. You need to fix it because our kids are not broken, our understanding of them is. And so that's why I like when they're seeking high performing, they're not just trying to put a bandaid over something that that needs to be shifted, not necessarily, they're not broken.
0: What are the concerns that the kids themselves or the family members are coming to you with? Is it depression? Is it social anxiety?
1: It's really, it's really, um, like I said, there's a point of entry. So for instance, maybe a parent calls me and says, you know, we want to do something with our food, our nutrition, you know, because everybody says, well, what do you exactly do? I'm like, I'm, I am I am the real term of a life coach because I believe we live holistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a business coach, you have an image coach, you have. OK, fine. But we live life as a whole. So we all know, you know, people who are really good in the boardroom but suck at home. Right, They can. And, and so to me, it's holistically. So it depends. They can be dealing with issues at school. They can be dealing with friendship issues. They can be dealing with communication in the home. You know, whatever they see, there's a pain point. So they'll come in here and then it's really funny because I, I trust the parents. I'm listening to y'all, but I'm advocating for your kids because a lot of times we parent. It's our mirror. I mean, get to know yourself really well by knowing your kid. You know, I mean, I have two girls. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. Is um, that like
0: when my parents tell me? I hope your daughters turn out to be exactly like you one day. Much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and that's not a bad thing. But we have to improve upon each generation, right? So yeah. it's like it's like if I know this about my daughter, and and some of us are kids. You know, you're doing the same thing because you're exactly alike. It's just a different generation, right? The the, the habits are still the same. So I, I think, you know, when parents hire me or, or kids, you know, would they want to work with me, whoever, I think there's a pain point that continues to come up, you know, and, and even taking away the the alcohol issue, the drug issue, the promiscuous sex, all the stuff that these kids are dealing with in today, social media issues. I mean, they put it under the term of mental health, you know, health, of course. Um, but all those things, those are all legitimate parts of lifestyle choices. So a lot of it is, too, is is going in and assessing their lifestyle choices. Yeah. So there, it's very layered, for sure.
0: Now, here's what blew my mind. You actually have moved in with families before. I have. To help them address issues. How does that work with being a parent yourself <laughs> and you're having your own family and then you're moving in with a family?
1: But see, here's the beautiful thing. I'm in a different season. Okay. So I couldn't have... And this is one of the conversations I always have with young women, right? I want to have it all. Well, great, but you can't have it all at the same time. You yes. know? I mean, that's just the truth. I mean, I took off 17 years and raised my girls. I've owned a gym. I've done... I mean, I've been in fashion for 15 years. I've written a book. I've done all these things, but they were seasonally in my life. Now I'm in a place where my girls are older. My oldest one, just had, she got married two years ago, just had a little boy. So I'm in a different season in life. I'm at that point to where I want to pour back into other families and the world around me. And it's like people say, well, it's a midlife crisis. No, it's an awakening. You know, I mean, we have to reframe this for women. We have to. So, you know, it just it depends. So when I move in, it's kind of funny because like, I mean, I get hired usually by the parents and I come in and so it's very intentional. So I'll fly in usually on a Thursday night. Um, We go to the grocery store. We cook, or we we can get all the food that we want to do because a lot of it's nutritionally based too. What are we going to cook? Everything's back to the dinner table. I do dinner table coaching too, which is always fun. What does that mean? Um, like so etiquette? Just for no, just for a dinner time. No, because we have what, what what are the best conversations you have in your home around food in the dinner table, right? So no, it's just like a session by itself to where we'll go in and we'll just cook dinner together. Everybody has to cook. Everybody has to be part of the cleanup. Everybody has to have the conversation. So, and then what we do on the it's usually a three day that I move in with them, or I have clients that fly in to Scottsdale and we do three-day immersives and I have a place that we rent and things like that. But on this one, it's fun because when I get there, the kids are like, okay, give me a break. Who is this?
0: Right. Who is That's this what person? I'm saying. Like, if my parents would have done this, I just know myself. I'm so strong-willed and so stubborn. If my parents would have said, I'm getting you a life coach, she's moving in, I would have been so resistant. Mm-hmm. But it
1: does. I mean, are these kids giving you resistance? Or are they like, okay. Um, I think whenever I get there, they understand that, first of all, it's completely disarming. Um, and I want them to be, I want them to be heard. I want them to advocate for themselves. And a lot of times it's, it, it backfires on the parents, to be honest, because the, the, the parents are like going, there's something wrong with my kid. Yeah, and and I'm you're like, saying it's something with you. Yeah. I'm like, sit down at the table, you know, because we've all done that, right? We've all done that. And so it's funny that I've told my parents sometimes sit down and listen to your child for 30 minutes and I'm in the room moderating it so that we can have that time and space to speak we don't hear our kids sometimes. We're just listening to them as much as we can, but we don't hear what they're actually saying. Mm. And I think that so much of it comes down to habitually in our home. We get up, we do these things, we come into these patterns and behaviors, right, that we just slide into every day. And even if you get into epigenetics and that with the brain, you start to look at, wow, I can actually change my brain if I change something different. And it's that simple. But um, but with with kids and families, we're, it's habitual. And then we build this environment around our life. To where dad's gone, mom's is, and and we and depending upon what lifestyle you have, you then build your behaviors to then create that life. And I think when the kids see me coming in, first of all, I'm very disarming. I mean, I, I mean, believe me, I get it. I don't, I wouldn't want somebody like me in your house either. But here's the thing: I want people to be heard and to be seen. And I've had, I had one young girl. It was so good because she was 14, and the major conversation was her mom was dating a guy. And she got tired of watching her mom dress up and be a a person that she didn't see on a regular basis. She just wanted her mom. But her mom was back in the dating scene. Yeah. And she said, you know what? Do that at his house. When when you come home, I want mom. Mm. She couldn't say that to her mom. And that literally made a change to conversation. But I think it would have been very combative if somebody wasn't be able to actually point out that this is not against you. It's for your family. Right. That, and I think that's the biggest thing is understanding the, um, just, the just how things kind of shift and being able to hear a little bit differently.
0: We're really living in this, you know, there's a drug for that type of society and everybody has a mental health problem. Everyone has a prescription. Now, am I generalizing or is that normal now, the new normal, I should say, for teenagers to all be on multiple prescription
1: drugs? Oh, you're completely, it's completely calling it like it is, 100%. I mean, I have some clients who are at 19 at five drugs, five of them. And, and my whole thing is when you invite a white coat into your child's life, you're looking for a label or a, um, a diagnosis. You're not looking for a solution because the problem is, is you kind of get farther away from the healing holistically. Right. So if I if I have anxiety and then I take a drug, then I don't give myself the capabilities to cope with whatever situation that is, because now I've numbed that. That's number one. Number two, you know what? I can't study. I can't focus. Well, let me put you on Adderall, because you know your grades are really, really important. So let me put you on Adderall, which is gonna help you, but only take it during school. Legal math. Totally. I mean, but but these are all the things that these kids then you're building a victim mindsets. rather than teaching them, you focus, you turn your phone off, you turn it off for a certain amount of time, you discipline yourself through these modalities daily. And you don't need a drug for everything, well, we're
0: also training kids. Every feeling is a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. Don't feel sad. Don't feel extremely happy. Don't feel, you know, nervousness. Every feeling is bad. You just always need to be like this even keel feeling, which is the basically how they're living and experiencing life when they're
1: on all these pe- medications. which is an interesting metaphor, right? Life should be an eKG. If you're a flat line, you're done. <laughs> yes, I mean, and that's and that's what we're doing. But it comes back to, I think, Parents who who want to take the journey of being a parent, it's not easy. And it is not for sissies. I have bet my, my, my oldest daughter, she's vaccine injured. We've gone through some crazy rides with people. Mm. But every single time I needed to be prepared. It was my job as a parent to look at my child and go, do I have what it takes to parent my child through this? Yeah. And if I don't, isn't that on me? Not to just call somebody in a white coat and say, sorry, diagnose my child with, you know they've got this, they've got that. They're angry all the time. They're, I'm like, why are they angry? You know, it's like I love it when they say, you know, anger management. Why manage a fear or why manage an emotion that we need to get through? But that's why I think the modalities and I get in trouble for saying this all the time, therapy, psychiatry, and all that. It's built for victims because it gives you a reason it's okay to be there. It's not okay. You're not perfect. Nobody is. We have to get through this life and build who you're, God's given you this great, beautiful life. If you numb yourself from it, without having adversity and without, and that goes for parents too, you, you're never going to really reach that potential. Potential's great, but if you're not the person that takes to possess it, you're never going to get there. In terms of identity, Gen
0: Z is the most non-religious generation that we've ever had. Atheism has doubled since millennials. And a lot of them do consider themselves to be spiritual, but they just don't say that they're religious. Do you think that that has any correlation to the mental health issues that we're
1: seeing on the rise? thousand percent. They are spiritually desolate. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. And it's funny when you go into my coaching studio above my 20-foot whiteboard, it says iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17. So when you're coming in my space... We're going to talk about it. I have kids that come in that are atheist, Wiccan, witches, I mean everything. And and again, it goes back to why, what are you searching for? What are you seeking for? And if you've never had a conversation or the ability to have a conversation about your belief system, and a lot of times this isn't just necessarily your parents, right? Because we have inherited beliefs and then we have our own. Our own or what, we, what we're experimenting with. And the world today wants you to stay experimenting rather than going, nope. I and gra- selecting g- one. G- grab this. But no, it's very true because it goes back to the nefarious part of the of the message of when you know that you're created on purpose for a purpose and when you have that. And I will tell you, there is a rise in this generation, though. They are seeking for something more. They want something more. And most of the kids that come in, it's interesting where they go to a local um, Catholic school or private school. Parents are putting their kids in these schools and thinking, oh, my kid, I checked the spiritual box off. No, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. Because a lot of the kids come out farther away because it is a religion, not a relationship. And I, this was so great the other day. Someone told me, what's the difference? And, and I said, 18 inches between your head and your heart, you know, that you have to realize that it's a relationship that you're seeking with something higher, your identity. That's part of it. And that's why these kids are, they are so vulnerable for what's coming at them today and what the world has for them in store. There's, they're so vulnerable.
0: I was watching this show last night and it's a comedy but they were portraying the middle school experience and this girl learns she's 13 she learns about the Holocaust for the very first time ever and so she's extremely emotional about it obviously and she's asking her mom who is not Uh, a Christian or religious at all, you know, why, I don't understand why this would happen. Does, is God real? If he is, why, you know, why would this be allowed to happen? And um, her mom is like, well, I don't know, honey. But then you see this middle school girl just internalizing all of this turmoil and questions. And then she starts drinking alcohol and all this because all of a sudden she's having like an existential crisis Mm -hmm. because she's like, I don't understand, you know, these terrible things that I'm learning about in school. And how that applies to right her religious beliefs, because she doesn't know what they are anyway, yeah. but it just you saying that really
1: kind of correlated for me it well, it does, and I, and I think that's the, that goes back to, you know, if we parent our kids the way that God parents us, okay, He doesn't save us from trials and tribulations. He doesn't save us from adversities. He just wants you to find him in the middle of it. and And that message can be so elementary. You know, it's like, for instance, like, like I said, with my oldest daughter. So she lost all of her hair, eyelashes, eyebrows. She's completely bald. She's mm-hmm. 22 or 23. Um, and it was when she was five. And so we went down this horrific path. It's a whole nother whole nother time. But it, it came down to, OK, this is for us. We're going to take this on. And if I didn't give that to God a long time ago, I would have been a complete mess. And so I think that's where you get to realize that you have to have those conversations. And as parents, you can't seed what you don't possess yourself. And a lot of kids are seeking and searching, but they're they're finding dead ends, and that's why they're looking at the outside world, and the world's giving them what they want them to know.
0: Have you also worked with coaching school psychiatrists? Is that correct?
1: So I actually were I have I have one from uh, Scottsdale Unified that I've worked with, and then I I've coached some principals in the valley.
0: So what is their biggest concern? People that work in school systems, what they're
1: seeing in middle school age uh, kids, teenagers. Okay, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. <laughs> I, I love to get in trouble. <laughs> you know what? I would love to coach teachers. I would love to because you've got our kids for seven hours a day. Yeah. all you're worried about is checking the ACT boxes and the scantron tests. I, it makes me crazy. Um, I, the, the one girl was interesting. she was an amazing she's amazing school psychiatrist and she's worked I worked with her for a while and she's like, I want to do what you do. I go, please do. We need you." And she goes, oh, but but when I leave school, I can't practice anything. I go, help me out with that. <laughs> and she go. I go, you forget everything. You forget your knowledge. It's another institution. And I'm like, no, because our world needs someone who I go, where does your license stop and your moral start? Yeah. I think there's a huge problem with that. I mean, and so and even with principals in the Valley, you. Know, I asked one of the ones I said, are you listening to your student body? You guys have student government, right? Right. They're selected by their peers. Right. Right. OK. So then are you listening to them? No you're not. You're not listening. And and kids are dismissed more often and let me just say this. Kids are brilliant, intelligent, unique, individual until they get into an institution and then it's schooled right out of them. Then we want everyone to sit in line, you know, be da- you know, be quiet, zip it, don't say anything until the bell rings, yeah. which is more of the industrial revolution type worker mindset. These kids are so brilliant. I think that's why my coaching space is so fun because when they come in, it's just like, you know, anything that they can dream up and they want to, I go, let's run it out. If it doesn't, being a fourth generation entrepreneur, I don't know the word not to try. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, is this important to you? And we can get there really quick, you know, but when you get them into a school and you get them with specific people, they're jaded. A lot of, a lot of teachers are jaded. They're not where they want to be, you know, and, and they don't understand what it's like to actually meet kids that are experimenting with their individuality, but not doing harm. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of our school systems, our school psychiatrists, and that so many of them are also, they're, they're legalized, right? They can't say certain things. They can't do certain things. And that's why I said, ask yourself where your license stops and your morals start. I mean, and whether you can be a mentor, you know, it, you have to learn that skill because not everyone's going to fit in that box that you're going to check off. <laughs>
0: It's that time of the month. Just kidding. It's that time of the episode and not Mother Nature time. It's Garnu time, organic, convenient and girls only Garnu. Tampax, we don't know her, but we do know and love Garnu. So if you haven't heard, here's the tea. Garnu is for the girl who is sick of being called a bleeder or menstruator. Garnu does not fund planned parenthood or support abortion and they value life, not just life in the womb, but your quality of life every time it is that time of the month. For or strawberry week, as they like to call it. By the way, Garnu means rescue in Nepali, and your investment in their tampons is an investment in fighting against human trafficking for girls in Nepal. Garnu is for the girls, and today, you can go to Garnu.com slash spillover and use code spillover to receive 15% off your first month of organic tampons. That is G-A-R-N-U-U dot slash spillover and code spillover to get your 15% off. Off, and access to a girls-only club and, in my opinion, the best 100% organic tampons out there. How do you think that
1: Gen Z is standing in their own way? Victims. 100% they're victims. Um, and I see it in my coaching studio all the time. And that's why I love calling it I out. mean,
0: everything from
1: climate change to the patriarchy, right? It's it's the reason why we, why I can't do anything, everything. I'm like it's like I'm not in shape. It's well, it's my mom's fault because she's this. I like, go oh, no, you're the one that stuffed pizza in your face. <laughs> I mean, I mean, be honest, right? It's like it's like if I'm not where I want to be, it's my fault. Now there might have been influences or sure. lack of skills for sure, but if we don't have, I'm all about personal radical accountability. If 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 it's it's, and it's so funny when people say, I mean, we'll like go like layer after layer after layer, like, well, I can't do this. Why? Well, because of this. Why? And I mean, I'm back to a three-year-old. I love asking questions. So it's like, tell me why. Tell me why. And eventually they're like, well, I guess it's my fault. I go, bingo. Now we can start. Now we can start because every decision you make is based upon your behavior, right? So like I have one client who God love him, but he's not he's not where he wants to be. But he's gone down every shiny object in front of him and literally bent his morals to get to where he wants to be. But then the next day, he's like, but I'm doing really good. I'm like, are you where you want to be? No. I go, so what about the last four things that you experienced that was really bad for me? Do it again? No, I'm done. I'm moving in the right direction. Mm, Two weeks later, you know, we're going to do it again. I go, so it goes back to learning the behavior of discipline. But it is interesting when you look at Gen Z and their obstacles because they are their obstacle 100% by their choices. And they have to figure that out. But then, if you don't have that person to talk to about it, and parents aren't there yet either, because parents are great victims too, they'll look at their child and go, "Well, they're complete failures. Who parented them?" That's pretty harsh to hear that when our kids are not doing. And, and again, like I said, there's influence. You have a small window to where you're the only influence on your child. What
0: if there's a what if there's a, a- some parents who have one child who's doing everything right. They have great grades. They have a great social life, just all around healthy. Great. Then they have one child who is suffering they're struggling with mental illness. They're antisocial or what have you. How do you explain that where they've got one kid right and one kid
1: kid wrong? Because you parented them differently. There's no two ways about it. I mean, you can have five kids under the same roof and every kid has a different, has a different scenario, a different story. You parented them differently. I can tell you, I'll throw myself under the bus. I can tell you I parented both my girls differently, 100%. And the funny thing is, because my oldest daughter went through what she went through, she wasn't the first kid out of the house, right? Because she was more isolating what she went through. My younger one was, well, that's my baby. What are you, what are you doing? And, and so literally, I'm like, so then I like sat on her for a little while, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, this isn't working, you know? So then I had to go back, and then it became this really great cooperation, you know, but we had to have intensive conversations. And and, and I, we were, I raised them that way that we do talk about everything. We have to talk about everything. And I may not like it, but call me out, you know, because I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing everything I can do. It's, it's our humility as a parent. Mm. And, and if you're going to be a parent someday, learn it now. Yeah. Learn it now. Because, I mean, being humble and looking at your kid and going, you know what, I, I failed you there. I, I because then what that does is that sets you up as a parent because you get two shots of parenting, you're a kid being parented, or you're parenting a kid. You get two shots at it, and 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 then grandparents. Of course, we can do whatever we want to do at that point.
0: That's that's the <laughs> the beauty of being a grandma. I want to be called grandma. Nice. I nice. feel like you could totally have that I'm title. T. T. That's I'm T. so T. cute. Yeah. Okay, so um, I don't know if you saw this. Floored me. Recent studies showed that young men are actually more lonely than young women. Fifteen percent of young men have no personal friendships in their life. It just seems like Gen Z doesn't have any idea on how to build community outside
1: of social media. They have no interpersonal skills. None. It's true. It's very true. They're, they've also been over-mothered and underfathered. You know, mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. Um, and, and, you know, God bless the moms that have stood up. But, you know, you got to know when to step back. And I can't be everything to my kids. No no parent can be. Um, And when you don't have a strong masculine, you know, um, in your life on a regular basis, it does affect especially young men. And even like with me, you know, I mean, I I had to take a step back. It's all about their dad right now. You know, but you have to have, that's why I said the humility part of it. You know, you have to. But no, they are very much lonely, isolated. Um, I hear that all the time. I hear parents that call me and say they have no friends. You know, they have no friends. And we're talking, you know, high school and college age. Yeah. What do you say to that? Because, well, here's the thing. Parents sometimes overjudge. So if, if my daughter has two really good friends, I'm good with that. If she has two friends that she's making time for and she's hanging out with, I'm good with that. Now, I, I, and we come to a place in high school where we collect friends. You know, so we have all these friends and all these friend groups and all the fake stuff that happens. And that we carry that into college. So I, it's, it's a couple things. So first of all, I always tell the parents, I always ask the parents, well, tell me exactly what their lifestyle is like. And then the parents sometimes have a very skewed view. They think their kid's sitting in their dorm room doing nothing. Meanwhile, their son may be out hanging out with one or two friends, and then they might be back in the dorm at 10 o'clock and be done. They're not, maybe they just choose not to party. Maybe they do. So I think you have to get a really crystal clear view of it. And that's why I love working with both is because then the kids will say, my mom is so freaked out because I don't have any like a ton of friends. And I'm like, well, what does that look like to you? They go, well, I have a couple good buddies that I just like to hang out with. Yeah. And I go, are you comfortable with that? Well, yeah, of course I want to have really good friends. But, you know, like, like my daughter went down to visit one of her girlfriends. And this addresses this completely down in Dallas this weekend. And she's like, you know, I met. she had met these girls through her, um, my girlfriend's daughter a few years ago. And they remembered her and they were really, you know, sweet and kind. But there was a very small knit group. And she's like, some of my friends I have now are really not close friends. They're people I just do life with. So we have to learn the definition of real friends, acquaintances, and then just peers. Yep. And so I think whenever you don't know what that is, and my definition may be different than yours. And so even like when you look at like, I love it when people go, oh my God, they have so many followers. They have so many friends. I'm like, you know, <laughs> no.
0: That correlates to absolutely nothing. <laughs> um,
1: I will tell you that. <laughs> nothing, re- nothing real life, let's just say that.
0: Do you think that parents today are doing a, a decent job compared to generations past, or do you feel like the, the bar is so low it's on the ground?
1: That's a loaded question, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we have to course correct, to be honest. Um, a couple things, and I hate the, all the labels, you know, helicopter parent, tiger parent, all those crazy things. I just think that we culture culture has shifted, and I don't think we as parents are really equipped. I mean, so, some of the things that we latch on to We're part of the problem. So, you know, I've got my daughter on Life 360. I want to know where she's at sometimes. My intention is safety, right? Her intention may be I can't move. My mom's looking at me all the time. So then, like I said, we have to define these things for her. And it can get me into trouble. Trust me. If I'm worried about her on a Friday night and I look out and she's still out at 1 in the morning, what do you think my mind's going to do? Whereas our parents didn't know. They just And she's in college. You're talking about college-age girl. yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like we have to be careful too. So there's all these tools as for parents, but are we using them properly? You know, or are they actually really causing harm to our kids? It's like you give them, you know, the drug of the smartphone, but you haven't taught them how to use it, but then you want to put all these parameters on it. Mm. You know, why don't we teach the kid and then decide whether they're actually, it's like, why do we call it users? Right social media users, you know, we have to redefine things for ourselves as parents and in each home because otherwise they'll take on whatever they, they can. But I think, I think, I think the parents today, a couple of things. Um, family, of course, is not what it used to be. I can't remember when a lot of my clients have even had dinner at home. Women don't cook at home. They don't feed their family in that manner. It's swing, grab by convenience. convenience why is kills. it? Why
0: are women not cooking? Is it because they're in the workforce and they don't have time or they don't know
1: how? Both. Both. I, ha- I have clients who are early 20s that I teach them how to cook. I go meal prep with I them. I think this is a huge problem. It's massive. It's massive. I mean, because you don't have like, there's no life skills, right? It's like when I went to school, we had home ec. We had shop class. <laughs> we had all those things. We do these skills. We do life classes skills at the coaching studio because these are simplistic things. You, and if you can't take care of yourself, and that's why I said holistically, if I leave my parents' home and I don't know how to cook, basic cook, that's a problem in my health, then that's a gateway. And I always I always talk about your nutrition and your health is really a gateway habit, the keystone habit. So if I can cook and clean and take care of myself, my mental clarity is better, my mm-hmm. focus is better, my energy is better, all these things. And so women, I think a couple things. things, um, they just don't want to do it, cooking. And I get it. I've been doing it for decades. I get it. Um, but also I think it's convenient. Right. It's like drive by, get this. And then whenever COVID hit and everybody had everything to go, that was even woohoo. This is awesome. And so I think it's a couple of things. I think the skills, more women are out of the house working, you know, and we can go down that rabbit hole, which we know why. Um, And like I said, it just goes back to the family. You know, it goes back to traditional roles. There there is a natural order, like it or not, you know, and like when I said earlier, you can have it all, but not at the same time. I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom for those years. Before that, I owned a gym. Before that, I did this. Before, and now I'm in this. It, it's it's the, the 20-somethings that don't want to listen to the older generations, the older generations who look down upon the 20-somethings and aren't willing to share their wisdom. That's really kind of got us in this really weird conundrum.
0: I see comments every day from parents who are like I'm too scared to let my kids even walk down the neighborhood. There's absolutely no sleepovers, they're way too dangerous. Um how can parents balance allowing their kids to participate in risky play or situations that build confidence without putting
1: them in danger? First of all, let your kids do things carefully dangerously, right? Let 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 them do let them do those things. Um number 1, number 2, sleepovers, you got to know where they're at and who they're with. Parents are afraid to ask questions are afraid to call up another parent and go who's in the house? You know, um who will you be there with my daughter? Will your husband be home? Is there older siblings? You know, we've forgotten that. I mean, we've forgotten how to. And a lot of the kids again don't know what they don't know. So, it's a couple things. Um first of all, if your kid wants to have an experience, you know, you vet through the experience. Of course, you don't stop them from doing those kinds of things. You know, I mean, now barring safety, of course, right? It's like I always use the example that I believe that parenting is like a t- like walking your kids on a tightrope. So if you throw your kid up on the tightrope and you hold them on there, they never learn. They never fall. They never fail. They don't. They don't run headfirst into the brick wall and go, "That wasn't a good idea," you know. I, and when they fall off of the tightrope parent them through it, and throw them back up. It's the only way you learn. I mean, it's the only way you learn. And I think that fear, when you said fear, when you're parenting from fear rather than your child's future, that's on you. Ooh, parent from future, not from fear. Yeah, you have to. You have to. Otherwise, otherwise you transfer that onto your child. doesn't mean that it's not there. Trust me. I mean, I've done things with my girls where I was like, Ooh, this is not going to hurt. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> you know. But again, I'm like, I got to let them go. I got to let them go. How can parents make their teens feel more comfortable to open up emotionally? Listen and not judge, um, which is really hard, you know, because we're, we make it about us. You know, I love it when back in my day, I never did that. Well, we're not back in your day. <laughs> It'd be great if we were, but we're not. This is not Mayberry. You know, um, I think that they need to feel heard. Um, the other thing, too, that the kids don't understand is is there's this, there's this gap, you know, and I always say, first of all, you got to give grace in the gap, number one. If you step up, most of the time, your parents will take a step back. But mm. if you don't step up, they'll take two forward. So it's a dance of parenting. You know, I mean, I've had to do this too with my daughter. I'm like, you want freedom. What does freedom look like to you? Or, I love it. I want to be independent. Really, you're still calling me for lunch money. So that's not independence. So we have to define these things. And and when I have I have some kids who their parents, I mean, my gosh, they're still bringing them snacks when they're 19. You, I mean, <laughs> that, come, that's why I said they're overmothered. Yeah, you know, I mean, they are overmothered. It's like the isn't that like the thing like the devouring mother or whatever, you know? And and it's it is so. I have girls. It is so hard to take a step back, but but you have to realize that they're never going to reach their full potential as long as you're bubble wrapping them. You know, you're just not. And and when you when you're not listening to your child, and that's and that's why I think that's a great question because you start to realize that, am I really understanding? That's why I said, like my parents are like my your kids, my kids are broken. No, our understanding is, and culture is different, and there are things you have to worry about today that nobody had to worry about years ago, a hundred percent, but most of those things are in their phones. They're not on the street right now, yeah and and especially depending upon where you live, let your kid hang out and have fun and and of course, come home at a certain time. There's all those like what are they, just elementary things you want to think about? But I think the more nefarious things are, are on their phones, are social media. Who are you inviting into your home through social media? You're opening up the most intimate, vulnerable part of you. Girls are, girls are basically trafficking themselves mm-hmm. on, with OnlyFans and social media. And parents see this and don't stop it. And th- and that, but then that's where I think that you have to have, again, what's the boundaries, what's the morals? I want to run through a couple questions
0: so that you can directly talk to the young people listening. How can a young person figure out if college is the best move for them?
1: Well, here's the thing. College years ago was different than it is today. Um, You guys have access to everything and anything you could ever want to know in this world, ever. Um, I think you have to ask yourself, number one, is it a lifestyle or an academic choice? Okay. So are you making a lifestyle decision or are you making an academic decision? If you decide what you want to do with your life, which you don't even know what the heck that is for a long time, and that's okay. That's That, to me, is just that experimental phase. Um, but you got to be honest with yourself. Are, are you going to make this a continuation of high school, or are you going to get serious? you got to know yourself. Are you disciplined or are you not? Because freshman year, it's going back to freshman year of high school. It just is. Yep. Um, I personally think that, you know, go to a community college if you want to go, test it out, test the waters, don't go in debt, don't put your parents in debt until you know for sure, and then decide. It depends on if you're an entrepreneurial spirit or if you want to be more of an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, you need the education at that point. But there's too many there's too many things to test, and then you have to look at yourself. This is This is the most important one. What's a natural skill and what's a learned skill? What do you possess naturally? What do you feel you need to solve out in the world? What could you do for hours on end and lose track of time? You know, those are what speaks to you naturally. And then you have the skill to learn set. But I think number one, it's got to be, is this a lifestyle decision or an academic decision? I love that, actually. That's the easiest way I've heard that broken down ever. What is the best way to figure out what someone should pursue for a career? Find out what you care about, what you're passionate about. And, and I, know that, I know that's diluted and said a lot of ways, but passion means to suffer for. So it's like, what are you willing to – and and you've heard these stories, right? It's like I saw one of your um, podcasts you did with the guy from Massachip, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. He saw something he wanted to address, fix, and make better. Why? Because it was a pain point for him. Yeah. It's the same thing with me with what I do as a coach. It's just evolved. I mean, I jumped into – I I would work with brand ambassadors for fashion. I mean, then I'm like, you know what? I don't like this. Then I wrote a book on sustainability because I want But it was but that I found out that was baloney. You know, there's all these things. So I think it's it's passion, number one, a problem you can solve out in the world that you're really good at and you're going to fail. And I hope you do. But I think it's listening and then trying things on. You have to try life on. And that's where parents block. Because they want you to take an aptitude test. They want you to take what is your counselor And thing? then just go full send. Full it. send. I've got kids right now. God bless them. I work with hundreds of them who are like, well, this is what I want to do. But I took this test in school and they tell me I'm going to be an attorney or I'm going to be this. Or not. So my mom now wants me to do this. I go, that's about her, not you. Mm. And 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 then it, the parents want to take the safe route. There isn't one when you're trying to figure out who you are.
0: Exactly how can Gen Z stand out in the interview process when we're talking about Gen Z going into the
1: workforce? First of all, learn to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry, learn to speak. TBH. Um, you know, I mean, learn to speak. Find out who's interviewing you, where you're going, because you have to match your environment. It's an equal energy exchange, right? So if you're going to go for a specific job, and but yet you're bringing in your haphazard sophomore college attitude... You're probably not going to get it. So and, and it's it's funny because I always tell the kids be authentic, but be real about your authenticity because there's a place in time for everything. But I think I've got a lot of kids who call me and they go, hey, I'm going for my first interview tea. What do you think? And I'm like, first of all, what are you wearing? You know, second of all, be on time, a little early. I go, but the language is huge. Language is
0: huge. And also when I give advice on this, I always tell them, know the company you're applying to work for. Sometimes we have people interview to work here, for example, as interns or whatever, and they are not even familiar with what Turning Point USA does. (laughs) They've never listened to the spillover. You know, those are problems. I'm like, well, you cannot work for this brand if you don't know anything about it. That's baptism
1: by fire. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: spend some time on the website, you know what I mean? And and figure it out. It's
1: an equal energy exchange. Yes. Right. It's like I'm bringing something to you. And, and, and when you advocate for yourself from humility, people want to get to know you and give you an opportunity. But but we're not taught the interview process in school. That's why I said they're, they're not prepared for life. And I get a mentor, by the way, before you go and do an interview with somebody or just ask someone that you respect and say, hey, I'm going to go interview this. And you're right, Alex. Know who you're interviewing with, but then also know why you're interviewing with this company and is it just for to pay the bills mm-hmm. or is it something that you really want to invest in? Because if they're investing in you, that's the equal energy exchange I'm talking about. This is not just a placeholder. You have to know. So good. How much wokeness should young conservatives put up with from their employer? Zero. Zero. Because, because you're compromising yourself. I mean, I've had clients that have come into to me. And they, you know, profess their wherever they are and their values and views. I'm happy to work with anyone, but I'm not going to condense myself in order to coach you. And if I have a liberal client come in or someone that comes in with the victim mindset and has their own views, I mean, I'm going to speak my truth as I want you to do you. And most of the time, most of the time, it's given permission to critically think. hmm. That's that's all that it is. It's like it's like I want to hold space for you, because if this is what you believe, then we should be able to have a great conversation about it. If it's what you're regurgitating, that's a problem. And that's where most of this Gen Z sits. They don't necessarily know what they know. I had one of my ambassadors that said it was the best. It was honestly one of the best um, things anybody could have ever said about me when she said The thing that I love about T is is that she lets me think and speak the way that I want to, but then she gives me space to then think a little bit more and not put my views on somebody because it's not about that. It's about you coming to your views because if you come to your views, you're going to own them and your belief system and that's how you operate in the world. That's what, what they don't. We're not allowing people to do now. We're not like showing them. We're telling them what to think rather than teaching them how to think and teaching them how to critically think. And that's why I said you have to know. 100%. And with Gen Z, I would not put up with anything that goes against your values. It's one thing if it goes against like your thought process. And if you maybe I don't align with everything. But when we're talking basic values and morals and the moral compass, I think that you have to draw a hard line. And if you don't, you're tolerating and we know where that goes. You have a podcast, the
0: TLM method. Yes. What types of conversations are you having on there, and where can people find it?
1: We are on um, iTunes and Spotify. And the thing with TLM method is a lot of it we built it for Gen Z. So we've got some great college kids on there talking about their real experience through college, um, which I love. I have one that's a UCLA dropout that now is in real estate and doing great. I have wow. another one. Yeah, I mean, and it was funny because. I mean, I want people to hear the real stories. Um, I don't want just, I don't want experts. I want the real stories. I I have another young girl who did epic at, at college and is doing great, but is now really stepping into who she is. Because then there's the real world, right? You're in college for four years. It's like, well, wait till you hit the real world well what have i been doing mm-hmm. you know so the language is really important and we have all different kinds we have conversations on transgender on parenting on how to talk to your kids about what's going on in the world on calling out actionable things you can do you know if you don't if you see something in your community that you're really appalled by get involved just don't complain do something about it action is the only anecdote you're ever going to have to do that um and then but more importantly i love it cuz it's the gen z it's their voices And it's people who are influencing Gen Z, you know, which I think is really important to have a conversation in a place that, you know, let's have an open dialogue and and have truth. How can teens or even parents hire you as a life coach? Um, First of all, I'm not for everybody. (laughs) So let's get that out there. Um, I have a website that's TracyLMartin.com and it's T R A C E Y L LMartin.com. All my information is up there. The best thing to do is really, you know, send us a message through there. Give me um, what you're looking for because like I said, there's a point of entry and then there's a pain point. Um, it may not be what you think it is, mm-hmm. which is always interesting to get a third neutral party in there. Um, and will you go
0: anywhere across the country? Yeah. They don't have to live locally in Arizona. No. If,
1: if they want to do just one-on-one Zoom coaching, we do that. Um, I have masterminds and we have a couple more coming up here this year where it's all Gen Z. We bring in speakers. We bring in really cool people to pour into them. All different levels between financial, um, you know, knowing their self, speaking, um, health, nutrition, fitness, the whole thing holistically. And then... Um, and then the, um, they can come to the workshops. They can come to the events. And then as far as like move in stuff. Yeah. I mean, we we always vet through That's That's a really big thing to vet through because not only is, you know, you're bringing me, but I'm going there. So yes. I, I want to know who I'm going to meet, too, because, I mean, number one, don't waste your money in my time. Um, number two, understand that I am very driven and I have a heart for this world and these families and these kids. And I know you got one shot at this. And there is no time that you can't you're not able to course correct. Let me say that. But if you're not willing to actually look at yourself, because when you hire me for your child, you have to come too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you may buy, like, like if we do the um, eight session battle plan, we'll do that. But then the parents are required to come at least two times because you have to hear the same message. And, and if not, it's like they're doing really good in the coaching studio. They're filling up the whiteboard. I'm sending the video notes to them and then they're coming home, but nothing else has really changed on the other side. It is a cooperation. And I think that that's what a lot of parents don't think. They're like, here, fix my kid, and I'm like, it doesn't work that way, you know. I have to be the one, and the parents have to be the one to know. Maybe I didn't know what I didn't know, and maybe I do need to take step and take a step back. And I'm telling you, over mothering is a massive issue, it really is. And under fathering, you know, with a lot of kids, and and the messaging, and even like what you said about the whole thing with faith and spirituality, and and the confusion with what that really means is a huge thing. So you can find me on the website, but like I said, I'm not for everybody. I love that. I mean, mean, that's, I just want to be honest.
0: I think you're a blast, Tracy. Thank (laughs) you for coming on the spillover.
1: You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I love this. This is great. Does
0: anyone remember my interview with Dr. Nicholas Cardaris last summer? He talked about screen time and how it affects the development of kids' brains and specifically video game addiction in teen boys. And so I thought, oh, Tracy Martin is a guest that's very much in that same vein. And I liked that she had advice for parents as well as teens who may be having trouble figuring out what they want to do with their life, what their purpose is. So anyway, next week, I am having a hugely popular Christian. Christian. Christian author and speaker on the show who says conservatives and the left get what a woman's role should be wrong. It is interesting. It is spicy. It's encouraging. And if you feel disenfranchised by the growing popularity of the trad wife movement in conservative culture, this episode next week will either really speak to you or it's going to really challenge you. So I'm excited for that. If it's been a few weeks since you've left a five-star review, please do that for us. The show is free, but that is the best way to repay my team for all of their hard work putting together this show every single week. If you didn't know, The Spillover comes out every Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, anywhere you get your podcasts, and we have a new unique guest and interview every week. You can watch the episodes on the Politics YouTube channel and participate in the chat there. I'm Alex Clark, and this is The Spillover. Love you, mean it. Bye ai